so my confidence level of bans is a thousand percent confident Karn is being banned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they <laughs> made that they pretty like, clear. Uh, and then, you know, maybe 900% confident Geological Appraiser will be banned. Mm-hmm. I watched the whole stream. I took mm-hmm. notes. I did my due diligence today. That's helpful. I appreciate it. And it can be painful to watch those streams, especially since, oh my God, this annoyed me so much. <laughs> they would not acknowledge that people buy cards and that bans have an effect on that. Like mm-hmm. every time they, I replied to like Nick tweeting this as well. Every time they would like say that they were competitive players and they'd all done that before and they'd have to scramble for people to collect new cards. They would just say collect instead collect of buy. Instead like they were buy. synonyms. Like they were synonyms. It's just like, I, yeah, what what order came down from on high to use the word collect instead of buy? Uh, it was so glaringly obvious. It's just like huh. they don't want to mention that people that there's a monetary impact on bands, mm-hmm. which is ridiculous to me. Just yeah, we're all grown ups. I mean, this is a children's game too, so they're we're not we're all we're all know what's going on at least. Mm-hmm. We're not all stupid. Yep, I am stupid. I bought cards this morning actually. You collected cards. I collected cards this morning. (laughs) Hey, everyone. Welcome to episode 320 of the MTG Grindcast, the spikiest podcast in all of Central North Carolina. We are your hosts. I'm Chris Castor-Apple. With me is Lee McLeod. Hi, Lee. Hi, Sierra. You, you sound a little down today. I'm not down, I wouldn't say. I, you know, we, we got the announcement of the announcement. We know that there are bands a-coming in Pioneer. Uh, and probably modern. And they, they, there are bands in yes, both formats. Yes, there, there are bands in both formats a coming. We know for sure, pretty much, that Karn and Geological Appraiser are getting banned in Pioneer. And I am not upset about the bands in any way. I think that the fact that Geological Appraiser just kills you on turn three with a single card is... Oh, you know, the the play pattern of like I I passed on my turn two with two lands up and now you have to respect the fact that I can kill you for the rest of the game is not good. Like, I, I think that this ban was basically inevitable given that play pattern. Uh, it is very weird to have it happen like in the middle of the RC season during prep for the tournaments where like now the past like week or so of like practicing on magic online is kind of moot and even worse than that the next week of magic online play is like completely meaningless it's just a lame duck format and uh that really complicates prepping for this tournament yeah it's weird that they didn't just ha- like either to do the bands this week mm-hmm. to announce them straight up Instead of, like, Mm -hmm. basically giving them to us, but not really confirming it. Right. And then just change the formats so people could practice or know what's going on. It is a little selfish of us, because I think the United States is the only RC that's still left to play. Like, all the other ones are fine, are finished. Sure. Yeah, I mean, reasonable. 
and and like it was like coming. It's just an annoying process preparing for this now. And I don't really know. Like I had it set up. I was going to do a stream with Jarvis where I was going to play. We were going to play like Phoenix against Cascade to see how that played out and and like what tech choices made sense and stuff and just kind of explore that matchup. Then this announcement came and it was like, okay, well, that plan doesn't make any sense anymore. But at least since we had set aside the time, we could go play, you know, we just played Phoenix versus Blue White, like a matchup that I need to practice playing. And so that was helpful for me. So we had that ability, but for like streams for the rest of the week, uh, you know, playing leagues and challenges is not exactly going to be a helpful thing to do. So I got to come up with some other form of practice and content creation pretty quick in order to fill that gap. Uh, yeah, that, that one's rough. I don't really know what to do about that. Yeah. Like, like, I think that I can just kind of hopefully find people to play with and just like do generic matchup testing, just practicing lines and plans and stuff and i think it would be good to practice like there's several matchups i don't think it's going to change at all mm -hmm. like rakdos phoenix blue white yeah uh, exactly. lotus field asterisk on lotus field but i don't only expect those four decks to be very good and like it's useful to know the matchups against each other especially phoenix with sleight of hand now has changed a lot like phoenix is way better than it's ever been exactly yep yeah, which is something that we will, you know, there there are some things that we can talk about. I have all of these notes from appraiser-based Pioneer format where we were going to, like, really get into it and what the deck is like and what it's doing to the format and how to beat it and how to build it. Uh, all of that is is pretty irrelevant now. All those RC results that I sorted through, all of the challenge results that I sorted through, all the different builds that I was looking at and comparing, uh, that, that's in the past. That's a different Pioneer. Before we get to in the weeds here, do you want to do some some Patreon on cleanup and upkeep? Yeah, yeah. I want to thank some long-term patrons. Philip, Timothy, Chris, and David have been with us since 2019, I believe, and are still with us. So that's that's very cool. We appreciate that. New patrons, Dallas, Isaac, and Quentin, welcome. I hope you come pop by in the Discord and, you know, any listeners, feel free to come stop by in the Discord. It is open to everybody. I am packing up tokens to send out this weekend. And uh, yeah, we, we have just like finalized the Patreon tiers and I actually like set them on Patreon. So you can go check out the rewards and stuff for those tiers, patreon.com slash MTG Grindcast. And uh, that's it. That's all the pub in for now. So, let's talk about the ban list episode first, or the ban list episode that was last week. The ban yes. announcement first. Yes. Mm -hmm. Not quite a ban announcement. A little short of a ban announcement, but yeah, it's know. just shy of a ban announcement. So basically, yep. this was their ban philosophy stream. It was Blake, Andrew Brown, and Dan. I cannot remember his last name. Is it Dan Musser, or is it? Yes. Is that a okay? I, I believe you're right. It's I knew it started with an M, but I'm always hesitant to just throw names out there. Sure. So I, I'm going to just like go through. I, I kind of wrote down notes because they had a what are they doing with bands moving forward? And then they talked about each format individually. And then they had a Q&A section. Uh, the Q&A section was largely irrelevant. 
or pertained to formats that they'd already talked about. So I kind of organized that all into sections and I'm just gonna go, go in that kind of order. So new ban structure to ban lists. So the way we have it right now is every three weeks after set release, uh, standard set release, there's gonna be an update to the BNR announcement. Sometimes there's no changes like it was last time. Uh, but they will have one, they did have one every three weeks. Moving forward, they're going to expand the window from exactly three weeks after the first Monday to within five weeks of the set release. Mm-hmm. So Murders at Karlov Manor already has their, their band date locked in. It's March the 11th. Uh, and then the set after that, which I don't remember the name of, is going to be the set comes out and then if they haven't banned anything within five weeks they'll write a no changes article or, or whatever because one of the things that they said that they got a lot of flag on last time which was the no changes article by the way here's our new pack <laughs> check it out yeah uh they said <laughs> that, they got that was so a rough much one negative feedback on that that they were never going to do a no changes article again literally said never as long as those two uh, folks and competitive were working there, they were never going to do a no changes article again without explaining something about the formats. Uh, and they they said they also wanted to do a flagstone article each year with set rotation, with standard rotation, where mm-hmm. they would just like highlight each format as it appeared at that time. We'll we'll see if that happens. Gotcha. But that th- that is nice, not having just like no changes as the format is languishing and you know grief. Undying evil, what have you. <laughs> That's kind of it for oh oh standard changes are basically never gonna happen unless it's an extreme emergency. That's one of the things they said. So unless a Felidar Guardian gets reprinted or printed into standard and they need to ban it very quickly and it's very obvious it'll be horrible, mm-hmm. they're basically not gonna be any standard changes until rotation happens. And when rotation happens, if cards are going to be too annoying to continue to exist in the new format. Mm-hmm. They will ban gotcha. cards then. So that's like Fable, Reckoner, Bankbuster. Like these cards have been too legal. They're too good. So we're just going to like scoot <laughs> it's over. It's too legal. <laughs> the, the opposite <laughs> of, of banning a card is a card that you must play in your deck. It's it's ultra legal. I mean, aren't they? That's how it was, yeah. <laughs> so that's it for like banning overall. Then they talked about Pioneer. So mm. they did... For both of these formats, we want to talk about Modern and Pioneer. That was the bulk of the stream. And they did confirm straight up, like Blake asked them, are there going to be bans in this format? And for each Pioneer and Modern, they said yes. So there will be bans 100% on Monday of Pioneer and Modern. Mm-hmm. They did not say what specific cards were being banned, but they <laughs> strongly hinted that the, some cards were being banned. So, yeah, he was saying dying on turn three to one card or being able to tutor for any artifact from the sideboard and not being able to go over the top of the mono green uh, over the top of mono green are not fun. So, you know, that's two specific cards. That's geological appraiser. And that is Karn, the great creator. Yeah, those are the only cards. Geological appraiser is the only card that kills on turn three consistently. And Mm -hmm. it was a one one card. card. Yeah. (laughs) And Karn is the only card that tutors and is goes in mono green. So, 
Yeah. It, it's pretty clear that Karn and Geological Appraiser, at minimum, are going to be banned. They did not... One of the things they said, they, they really liked the uh, the early Pioneer bands where they're banning things all the time because the format was new. Uh, and then they admitted that they just kind of ignored the format uh, once the pandemic started and only barely touched it here and there and haven't really given it the attention it deserved. Mm-hmm. That was one of the big things that they admitted on the stream, which I thought was interesting because I thought it was pretty obvious that they were letting the format just run rampant when... Uh, Pioneer was basically in its combo, its first combo summer, right? Where Acoria came out, and then it was only like Breach, Heliod, and Inverter for a long time, mm-hmm. and then it took them to like August, I think, to ban stuff. And Kethis caught astray at that time. <laughs> yeah, we just <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll just flick this one away here as well. Nobody plays it, but you know, just in case. And speaking of Kethis, they did specifically say they wanted to reevaluate the ban list in pioneer not in modern but in mm-hmm. pioneer they wanted to reevaluate the ban list and see if they could take cards off that were banned reasonably at the time but have since come under question of why they're there they did not say any specifics about what cards they were considering it's like they so didn't I- even listen to our modern unban episode well, I'll get to modern in a second because this is just for Pioneer. Yeah. We're still talking about Pioneer right now. I know. I know. So I I wouldn't be surprised to see an unban in Pioneer. I have mm-hmm. no idea what it's going to be. I feel like currently as we're recording this, people are doing tier lists of what the most unlikely or most likely card to be unbanned in Smuggler's Pioneer Copter is. seems to be the consensus. No, 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 no. I just saw two tweets back to back that said Leyline of Abundance as the most likely candidate, which is ridiculous to me. They're not going to ban Karn and unban Leyline of Abundance. Exactly. Right? <laughs> Come on. People are tired of Mono Green, so we're going to unban Leyline of Abundance while we're banning Karn. It's just like, come on, come on. <laughs> that, that, the Leyline of Abundance green deck didn't even play Karn, right? Like, it just it did not. Killed, killed you with Leyline of Abundance. Yeah, and this I think is what the one it played yeah. at the time. I, I think they're going to unban something off the ban list. I do think Smuggler's Copter is likely, is the mm-hmm. likeliest for me. I already own like eight of that card, so it'd be great for me if they unbanned it. <laughs> uh, but who knows? Is there a card in... Uh, this is a softball question to you. Is there a card in Pioneer ban list that you would want to see unbanned? Oh, well, purely I'm glad you reasons? asked, Lee. And in fact, uh, I don't even think that I'm the biggest fan of this card, though, because we have Joaquin Ballista on the scene, <laughs> ready for any Walking Ballista unban. Uh, my favorite Twitch username that I've seen so far. Uh, but yeah, I think that Walking Ballista would be a fantastic unban. And if you have to ban Helia, and, and they're probably not going to, you know, unban a card that they have to ban a card in order to justify right now. So they probably won't do a Walking Ballista unban heliod ban or anything but i don't even know that like i mean maybe with agatha's soul cauldron a heliod walking ballista deck would be too obnoxious right now that that does seem very very powerful so probably we're not getting walking ballista as with the format as is not not with heliod legal yeah i i love walking ballista i really do i i think it'd be super fun but I do think it'd probably be a little problematic. 
especially since they're trying to ban combo decks right now out of the format again. Mm-hmm. Feels weird to just kind of introduce a new section of them. Yeah. Uh, I not think that, that I'm against that. It just feels weird that Watsy would do that. Yeah, and and I don't think you know, if I had confidence that they would be brave enough to just be like, nope, Heliod's not a card, and Walking Ballista is a cool card, so let's just swap these on the band list. You know, if I had any confidence that they would do that, then I'd feel, like, real good about it, but they're not going to do that, so we're not going to get a Walking Ballista unban. Let me derail this, because I want to go off on your Heliod point. Because <clears throat> something in the Q&A section really bothered me. Really bothered me. Great. Uh, <laughs> someone asked if they would... Uh, be more open to banning cards that were problematic even if they were just released. Uh, and as we know from history, the reason Walking Ballista is banned instead of Heliod mm-hmm. is because Heliod was a new card <laughs> and Walking Ballista was not. It was played in a bunch of cool and bad decks. Like I remember playing a bunch of bad Godfarer's Gift decks mm-hmm. just trying to make Walking Ballista work. Walking Ballista was very good in that deck that yeah. wasn't very good. People played Hardened Scales a bunch uh, or winding stricter decks that were I remember yep. there being an SCG invitational where we had to find a ton of cards for the hardened scale stacks. Uh that was very early in Pioneer. It was just like showed up in a lot of places because it was a fun, cool card. Yeah. And they just got banned because of Heliod. With that context of Heliod is the reason Walking Blista was banned, but Heliod was not banned itself. Mm-hmm. This question of if they would ban new cards, they had the gall to say that they do not consider new cards more important than old cards. Citing specifically to Oko and Omnath, and I'll give them Oko. <laughs> sure, pick the most busted card you've printed in Standard ever, basically. Yeah, it, impossible sure. not to ban that at some point. Yeah, okay. Uh, but Omnath is one that they specifically did not follow this rule for, because if you recall, Omnath was printed in Zendikar Rising, and the week after it came out, or maybe it was two weeks after, I don't remember, there was a huge standard tournament on Magic Online. I believe it was a PTQ or a Super PTQ or something like that was going on at the time, mm-hmm. where these like tournaments would be very large on Magic Online and qualify you for something ephemeral because there was no real organized play system at the time. Like the MPL was dying and we didn't really know what was going next. Yeah, one of those kind of mystery tournaments, yeah. But these tournaments were still huge because it promised something. Something. So people cared and they they gave a shit and they played good decks. Mm-hmm. And these tournaments were dominated. This tournament was dominated by Omnath decks. And the response to this was to ban Uro. Ban Uro. Yep. Straight up ban Uro. Not Omnath at all. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying Uro didn't deserve to be banned. Uro was dominant for a long time. It had been a problem for a minute. But, but if you look at that top eight, if you go back in time and look at that top eight, the deck that won that tournament had in a sea of Omnath decks, was also an Omnath deck that did not play Uro <laughs> at all. How can you sit there and cite Omnath as a, an example of you're willing to ban new cards if they're problematic when you just didn't do that? Like, it took you another two weeks to ban it. <laughs> so, Like, come on, we all know. It, it, it's just so obvious from the Heliad Walking Ballista ban. There's literally one reason to ban Walking Ballista over Heliod, which is just that Heliod's still in packs. And it didn't really make any sense because nobody was going to play Heliod in Pioneer after that. Like, it just, you know, it was a nonsensical choice. But 
that was why. So like, I don't know, just be be a little more forthright with us. Yeah, I I think I I appreciated a lot of their honesty on this stream, mm-hmm. but that in particular, I I thought was so disingenuous. Gotcha. So I. As for Walking Blista itself, love that card. I think Agatha Soul Cauldron maybe made it too strong for Pioneer right now. Given the number of like brews that I and Aspiring Spike have attempted in modern, just ballistas and soul cauldrons and like nonsense cards around, you know, that that synergy is good enough for modern, really. And yeah. it, it it would do some pretty gross stuff in Pioneer. I I I I get it. Now, like, but, but, you know, Agatha the Soul Cauldron is a brand new card. Walking Ballista would have been fine for quite a while. Right. Yeah. It, it came out within the last, you know, six months. Yeah. I, I don't know what's going to be unbanned. I have a very selfish, a couple of very selfish cards I would like unbanned, but mm-hmm. we'll see if they, you know, give Kethis the justice he deserves. I mean, I probably. That's just never going to happen. Yeah, it's the same thing as Walking Blista. But I, yeah. I, I can dream. A boy can dream. Kethis does get a new toy. The, this ephemeral Kethis deck that would exist if Kethis were unbanned does get a new toy in basically every single set that has come out in the past two years. So Even Soul Cauldron is insane. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. And the, the Kamigawa lands, just, you know, untapped legendary lands that you get to put in your deck that have a use that, like... Good, it's good stuff. Well, the real the real selling point of the Kamigawa lands is Takanuma. It becomes extremely good because it's so cheap to channel, and it gets you like redundancy. Yeah. Yep. I I think the deck. I I don't know. I think the Kethis deck would be extremely powerful now. Who knows? But I they probably are going to play it safe with with the Kethis. Yeah, I, I, if they can ban a card that's not a combo, if they can unban not a combo card, that's what I expect them to do, which is yeah. like pretty much Smuggler's Copter, and I think that's it. Yeah. Because the ban list is just like. It's mono combo. Wilderness pieces. Reclamation, yeah. Leyline of Abundance, Nexus I guess of Fate. Teferi is not a combo. Underworld piece, Breach. But it's pretty <laughs> miserable to play against. Yeah. And then there's the Wynota, the double Oops All Spells cards that I don't remember the name of. Right. It's just like all combo cards. Yeah. And I don't think they're going to unban any of them. Oh, you really wrote black, red, evoke a bunch of times on this thing, didn't you? Oh, I I watched this Motsi stream. <laughs> you ready to go to modern? <laughs> yeah, let's do it. One of the first things they said was, and this is a direct quote, it's pretty clear something should be done mm-hmm. in, in regards to modern. Okay. What they wanted to do they wanted to wait until after the Pro Tour to see how Modern would evolve uh, because we all know Black Red Evoke. <laughs> Specifically, that's how it's phrased on the stream. Black I don't Red know. Evoke. I don't, huh? I, I don't know what deck that is referring to. It's a it's a like a synergy deck that uses a bunch of cards to evoke and you get like evoke payoffs. So you're just, you know, your ingot chewers and your awful snouts and <laughs> your your shriek um, maws. Shriek Maw. I'm trying to think of other cards with Evoke, but I'm coming up short. <laughs> oh, what's the the one that kills a land? It's like really expensive. It's like seven mana, and it's like five mana to Evoke. That's from Morning Tide, I think, right? Mm, spite maybe. Bellows. That's another one. Spite Bellows. Yeah, you got your Spite Bellows. That's a good one. You got your Mourn Hulks. 
Yeah, Morn Welk. Is that the card? Morn, the Morn Welk. Morn Welk, yeah. Either Snipes. Whoa, whoa, that's a blue card. That's a blue card. Yeah. I could name green and blue cards. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're lingering right there. Uh, I'm just going to keep referring to Scam as Black Red Evoke for the meme. So Black Red Evoke won the PT. Can the format evolve? And they said that the answer seems to be that everyone just played more Black Red Evoke decks. <laughs> it does seem to be that the format cannot evolve from here. <laughs> uh, they didn't say how much they disliked or liked the play patterns of the Black Red Evoke deck. Mm -hmm. uh, it, they just mentioned that it exists and a lot of people were playing it. And that's kind of where it was left. A lot of their attention was focused on like specific cards they were mentioning that was were too strong. So at one point they said that Black Red of Oak was, was too popular and also the uh, Up the Beanstalk decks were also pushing things out and they wanted to see if they could get a card that was shared in between those decks. They didn't go into detail about that. But, but there's a only lot one of people, card that's shared in between those decks. Yeah, have inferred that that means the Fury is getting banned. Mm -hmm. We'll see. Uh, the team was very low on up the beanstalk remaining a powerhouse in modern. So it mm -hmm. would not surprise me if that were banned, especially because it's an uncommon and you don't have to ban the one ring, which is a yeah. flag pull card in your direct to modern set. Plus the one ring is under assault in modern currently by Tishana's tight. <laughs> that, that's a lovely little slice of modern right now. Yeah. We'll, we we'll talk really about that a little bit later. Into. Yeah. Well, well it, it'll take five minutes to talk about. Yeah. Uh, they they did not like Up the Beanstalk. They mentioned in a previous stream uh, weeks ago that they did not even expect it to see any play in Modern. It just like was targeted for a limited archetype. Oh, I know that they completely missed the <laughs> the idea of that card. Like That was very obvious. And they specifically mentioned that Up, Up the Beanstalk provides too much batter value, quote unquote, no matter how you get it into play, meaning that they just weren't comfortable with either four color or cascade doing this, mm -hmm. which is fair. Up the yeah. beanstalk's like two free. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a very like I can't even say it's like poorly designed because they didn't design it for this environment in any way. But it is a a poor fit for the environment. It's not fun. It doesn't create good incentives. It it just like gives too much material for too little investment and makes the game not a resource management game anymore. Yeah, it's just too free. Yeah. They cited Orcish Bowmaster several times as a card that is very good right now and is in part keeping down one toughness creatures in modern. Uh, they didn't necessarily say that was solely orchestra master's fault like it was more of a collection of cards mm -hmm. however they did not mention any other cards that do this by name which would be like you know fury red and six prismatic ending i guess any of those cards lava, were not lava mentioned. dart lava dart just orchestra masters interesting so we'll see if orchestra master catches a stray i actually like orchestra masters in the format Me like it's too. a very good card i i think like the only time that it is problematic is just the combination of exact cards in Rakdos, where it's like grief provides like immediate pressure early on fury helps like make creatures an untenable way to attack the deck and then bow masters and void walker in the two drop slot just like 
cut off your I'm going to get card advantage and beat the deck that way or I'm going to get card advantage by using my graveyard and beat the deck that way. It's just like it turns with all of these elements, it turns it into a prison deck where it just has sideboard cards main decked against everybody. That's the only time that I find Bowmasters to be like kind of a problem because it just cuts off every remaining angle of attack you could have against the deck. But as just like a part of a, you know, a Death Shadow type deck or something like that, like it's fine. I have no problem with it whatsoever. Like I play it a bunch in Yagmoth and it's very good in that deck because mm -hmm. you it's two bodies for Convoke. It's a counter for Agatha's Soul Cauldron. It's like a lot of little things that it does yeah. to add up. But it's not that strong, like as a card. No. It's just a very good check against people trying to go over. Yeah. And and I think that's a great role to play in the format. I have no problem at all with Orcish Bowmasters. Yeah. I, I'm actually more offended. And this is a card, again, they did not mention at all uh, by Dothy Voidwalker existing, mm -hmm. because that is a card that is such a quick clock uh, especially out of the, the grief decks we've seen you mm -hmm. just like grief someone who play a Vagadothi Voidwalker they can't yeah you're attacking for seven unblockable damage a turn and your graveyard is turned off yeah and that's so hard to come back from like a lot of decks could beat the turn one grief into something but that thing cannot be an unblockable three two that shuts off your graveyard <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> so uh, I'm annoyed that they didn't mention Voidwalker at all, but I, I get that it's not like the problem card people look at, even though it is very often the card I want to see even less than turn one grief scam. Well, or, it, sorry, but the thing though. is like Voidwalker too, like hasn't been a problem in any other deck. It's just as the like cap to the like grief lock. Yeah. It's like, here's it's, a Voidwalker. It's part of the cap. It's the best. It's way better than Bowmaster at that. <laughs> yes, it is. It, it closes way faster and cuts off more angles of, of recovery. But, jet, you know, again, like in some sort of Death Shadow deck as a secondary threat or something like that, or in a mono black deck or whatever, like, who cares? Like, yeah, it's fine. It's a, it's a card. It costs two mana. It's a body. It does things. But it's not creating this, like, prison situation the way that that scam kind of does for you. Other than that, they didn't really go over... Well, one of the things they said was they wanted to see if instead of putting so much emphasis on solely data, especially they talked about um, participation data, like if are people showing up to play tournaments. Mm -hmm. And they did cite that Modern is incredibly popular, yeah. which is not surprising, especially in comparison to all the other formats. Uh, since we just got finished talking about how awful Pioneer is <laughs> and <laughs> Standard has been dying for years. So it's not surprising that this RCQ season, Modern, is yeah. the most popular one. I that, mean, not right. that is independent of like relative quality of the format to other modern formats. Like, like that doesn't matter for determining attendance at modern RCQs in, in any meaningful way. And they also, but in addition to this, they said they were going to listen more about to community feedback, especially mm -hmm. if people aren't having fun. And there has been a lot of community feedback that Black Red Evoke is not a good play experience. Yeah. So I'm confident they didn't explicitly mention that they were, that grief was being banned. So I believe that we're going to see more auxiliary bans and mm -hmm. we'll see if we can assemble the deck from there. 
Yeah. Like they were much more canny with the modern bands as opposed to like the pioneer bands where they almost explicitly said, yeah, Karn and Geological Braze are out of here. They're just not <laughs> yeah. making it past Tuesday. Yep. It's it's really funny that like Karn, Karn is getting banned just as like mono green reaches its absolute nadir of popularity like like nobody plays mono green nobody wins with it like it's just not particularly good right now and it it was especially bad you know in the week and a half of the cascade format that we got but it was also not seeing significant play before cascade came around no it was it was dropping off uh and i don't hate it like I, they, I remember them citing Inverter of Truth as like a 49.1% deck yeah, you know, yeah. in the times that it's become a meme, but that was literally something they cited to as a, a deck not being worthy of being banned, even though it was very clear that Inverter was not healthy. <laughs> and Modern Green, while not being the strongest deck right now, did not super fun like no. to play with or against. I don't find it fun to be on either side of it and and that really ultimately was the problem with geological appraiser as well i do think that it is too powerful for the format and we saw the builds of the deck getting better and better as like the week went on basically and and i i think that it would continue to improve and get better sideboard like juke plants and stuff to make people's like i'll just try to disrupt your combo plan kind of not as effective like like i think that the power level of the appraiser decks especially well-built ones was quite high but also the experience of playing against it is just absolute misery if you're like playing rakdos or another deck that's not just like playing entirely instant speed and you're on the draw and you get to your turn two and they have passed with two lands up and you're just like I got to keep two mana open for the rest of the game. Like I've been double stone rained by the fact that my opponent has passed on turn two. That's terrible. That's not fun. You don't get to play magic at that point. And, and like that, that can't be part of a healthy format. So it's, it's very clear that like, even if this is a deck with a 49% win rate, like that can't stand. And even in the mono green situation, which is also a deck with a low win rate right now, I, I don't mind cutting card from it because you can still play the mono green cards you just don't have access to your relatively free I cover all bases and get to like combo kill you card mm-hmm. all in one. Uh, that that was really the problem with the deck to me was the Karn package. Uh, not necessarily the devotion stuff itself because that is very linear and you have a lot of angles to attack that while still being like pretty good, right? In the early days of Pioneer, Nykthos was often wanted to be banned by the community because it just got on board so fast and no one was playing Karn at that time at all. Mm -hmm. Uh, And nowadays when I play against Modern Green, the games are truly determined on whether or not my opponent draws Karn the Great Creator. Yep. Well, especially if you're playing Lotus Field, but sure. Yeah, that's my experience, right? Like Mm -hmm. the deck does not matter to me at all, except for they have one card, which is incredibly hard to beat. Yeah. And I think that's reflected in a lot more matchups than just Lotus Field. It's the most stark there because it's, you know, none of your creatures are going to beat me, but yeah. No, gosh, for sure. I can't beat the stone brain or whatever. <laughs> I mean, you know, as a, like, 
you know, I've played a lot of Phoenix and it's 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 much more the Cavalier of Thorns side of things in that matchup that that is the card that I don't want to see. But yeah, it, it patches up all of the every matchup where putting big bodies with maybe reach into play faster than you should every matchup where that's not good enough. Like Karn is just the absolute most bonkers thing that you can do if you when you whenever you play Karn with with three or four extra mana then you'll just do something that beats them there if, if it makes don't. the grease fang matchup like kind of a joke yes yeah especially before bitter triumph was printed it just like was basically you couldn't beat a Karn like you had to had to find a sky sovereign and then get lucky after that more or less mm-hmm Let's, let's go back to modern for a second because okay. there's this somewhat more they had to say on the stream. Sure. Uh, and all about unbans. So we talked about how Pioneer is likely to get an unban. We just don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. In modern, they actually talked a lot about unbanning stuff. Okay. But not in the way that me and you did last week. <laughs> One of the questions in the Q&A was explicitly asking, is there any chance we're going to do some sort of Pioneer uh, beginning of pioneer era shake up to the ban list where we're constantly adjusting it and they just flat out said no like straight up it was like a five second answer no we're not going to do that sounds like and then they just closed moved on to, to the new and one. excellent ideas so they're they're just cowards uh come on <laughs> <laughs> one of the things they said explicitly as well was uh, though they do look at the ban list to see if cards can't come off of it they're not really trying to get cards off the ban list in modern. They, unlike in Pioneer, where they did say that things were put on there years ago that are no longer an issue, apparently they just don't share this sentiment for modern because they cited something like Splinter Twin as a card that they keep coming back to to see if they want to unban. And they're, they say that they're extremely unlikely to unban Splinter Twin in the format because the risk of it being an unfun play experience outweighs any gain it could have by being legal in the format, mm-hmm. which I think is somewhat reasonable at like face value, but not accurate for like your assessment of fun. Because I mean, I don't think Splinter Twin's a fun play experience. I will agree with that. But a lot of but people love it. Yeah. A lot of people do like it, and it's also not very good. <laughs> yeah, I, I, right. You have to like add up all the equities here. Like the likelihood that it's actually good is like a big part of the equation here. It's, it's a huge part of the equation, that's, right? Because that's if what's Second Sunrise, the unfun for people. If Second Sunrise was not good, mm-hmm. it, it would matter. just be like a zero point two percent play rate deck or less. You would see it like every seventh GP. Someone would play it and you'd be like, oh, this is a pretty comical deck. We don't see on coverage ever, mm-hmm. but here it is. The game's taking kind of long, but it's novel, so I'm okay with that. Yeah. Uh, and you just move on with your life. But because Second Sunrise was very good, what a pro tour, uh, you have this thing where it's, oh no, Second Sunrise is on coverage again. The match is never going to finish, and I can't escape this loop. I've seen <laughs> this before. I know the joke. Yeah. That's like the difference between basically a deck being ban worthy or not and i don't think splinter twin is in the situation where it's good enough and i'm not a am not a splinter twin apologist don't don't get me wrong i, I do know, not like I the know. card <laughs> but i i think it's disingenuous not disingenuous i think it's just wrong to say that 
you don't want to unban something because the risk of it being good is too great. Well, and I think that also historical context is really important to keep in mind. There is really only one format that has a pedigree of unbans going well, and it's modern. We unbanned uh, Stoneforge Mystic. Fantastic addition to the format, like one of the cooler decks, an important deck to have available in the format is heavily based around Stoneforge Mystic, and that card doesn't cause any problems. Uh, Jace got unbanned. When's the last time you registered a Jace in a tournament? Uh, you know, Thopter Sword got unbanned. Ancestral Vision got unbanned. Like, all of these cards, like, they were banned early on in the format. Years later, they got unbanned, and they were not problems because Modern is a format that gets massively stronger over time and just like runs outruns these cards and there's definitely cards that are on the list that are in the ancestral vision you know thopter sword jace the mind sculptor category rather than Lion's the desire the rack. category <laughs> or lens desire black fies kind of deal yeah those cards were banned in legacy and then they do not see any play because they suck mm-hmm so I, I'm disappointed in their stance on the unbanned spree like we talked about in the previous episode. Very disappointed. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially to your point of modern is a format that gets stronger. They kept doing this thing where they did this in the pioneer section and the modern section. We'll talk about like curating the ban list. They kept referencing that modern is a format that quote unquote gets content like to... <laughs> directly from like Mm -hmm. modern horizons and the Lord of the Rings set. Mm -hmm. And they kind of use that as just a way to kind of hand wave off talking about unbans in modern. (laughs) Like uh, it didn't make a lot of sense to me. Like it didn't structure into an argument. They just kind of mentioned that modern unlike pioneer gets content added to it. But they didn't go into why that mattered, so it kind of felt like they were just arguing against themselves but not doing anything. Because if you're adding cards directly to Modern, I think it makes it more likely that you should unban things because right. you're more once cards being added to the added format. Once you Force of Negation, a bunch of, you know, your arguments for, like, unbanning Seething Song get a lot stronger. Right. Like it was very odd that they kept mentioning this multiple times and it just didn't register why they were doing it. Mm-hmm. Like it, it felt like they were, that was something that they had wanted to mention, but didn't have any context for doing it. Yeah. And just kind of threw it out there as like, nah, we get direct content in modern. We don't need unbans. Yeah. I these, guess. these are our unbans is when we make new cards for you to buy for 30 bucks for a mythic rare collect collect oh yeah you can collect <laughs> this for 30 dollars. but yeah it, it's I, I did not enjoy that <laughs> yeah that's too bad after we spent an entire podcast episode advocating for this and they just like shoot it down all of our hopes five seconds my heart yeah. was shattered come on Bla- blake blake and dan Come on the MTG Grindcast and debate us. Yeah, in the arena of ideas. Yes. <laughs> that would be hilarious. I hope they don't take us off on that. <laughs> They're welcome to if they want to. I'm we'll yeah. we'll host that. Anytime. <laughs>
come on down come to the pod yeah come come on the pod but that's kind of it that's all yeah. that the the stream had going for it oh that's good i really struggle to watch those so i appreciate you breaking it down and i i'm sure that we have audience members who also struggle to watch them and will benefit from our breakdown yeah i i literally sat at my computer for this one and took notes while mm-hmm. i was supposed to be working because i was heavily invested in how this stream yeah. was going to go like i really wanted there to be bands in pioneer uh, because i don't like basically how the format upended itself mm-hmm. <laughs> upon the discover decks being a thing uh, and i wanted there to be anything that happened modern it didn't have to be bans in my eyes like we talked last week that i am much more of a proponent of unbanning cards than banning them yeah. but i wanted anything to change in modern as well and it sounds like something is yeah i think i think we'll see probably upwards of you know six to seven cards between pioneer and modern being changed legality yeah that's a lot i mean magic's gonna look competitive magic is going to look pretty different pretty soon yep and as far as legacy and vintage they barely lip service them this is the the modern and pioneer show yeah i I mean i think that both of those formats seem to be doing like at least vintage seems to be doing great like yeah everything everything i hear about vintage is that people just love it so you know how how much do you know about legacy right now legacy i know is in a weird spot that people are not the happiest with yeah, there's a couple things weird legacy. Yeah. That is headlined by the Boros Initiative deck, just kind of having no bad matchups at all yeah. <laughs> and being super snowballing. <laughs> Which is kind of interesting. And there's also that paper digital divide between all the Warhammer cards, some of mm. which are extremely impactful but cannot be played online. Jeez. Yeah, uh, that's the scarab. There's like a scarab that is a tutorable graveyard hate card that like right. also makes a bunch of one ones. That card's very good, but it's just not on the client. So yeah, they got to start calling it, it classic again. Wow, that's a throwback. No one is mm-hmm. going to get that reference. Mm-hmm. Are we going to go back to prismatic as well? Ooh. Do you a little two fifty card singleton, no tutors. All right, so I played in Cube Champions uh, in on Don's uh, stream uh, yesterday. And I drafted a wanna, black deck. Wanna, wait, wait. Do you want to explain what that is for someone who might not know? It's a stream where we cube. That's, okay. <laughs> that's, that's kind of it. Uh, there's a Discord. So the champions isn't really, you know. It, it's not a championship of anything, really. It's just a weekly, <laughs> like, co- you know, cube draft with coverage. Uh, it's fun. Uh, so check out uh, Don Delosier's Twitter and you'll find stuff about it there. But yeah, it was very fun. I drafted a blue black deck, got shipped no power no nothing none of the vintage stuff at all like had to piece together you know i got like grief and force of will and snuff out in my deck which are the closest things to like power because they're free spells um Mm -hmm. but i managed to pick up like a really late malcolm in pack three that actually made my deck function because i had emrakul and all three of the instant speed reanimator spells shallow grave and corpse dance and makeshift mannequin and so i was able to entomb emrakul and makeshift mannequin it i was able to hit an opponent four times with malcolm and cast emrakul with malcolm the turn before i was dead because i couldn't reanimate anything through his lion sash um and so anyways this is all just you know you made me think of this 
by mentioning Prismatic in that I had so much fun <laughs> playing with Malcolm in my cube deck that I am uh, ordering cards for a Malcolm EDH deck that I don't think anybody will actually want to play with me playing because it's just about like I'm trying to like limit the number of time walks I'm putting into the deck and stuff because that's a little too obvious and good. <laughs> But you, you just got to find your play group, have that rule zero discussion. You yeah. Know. Listen, I'm going to play this guy on turn two because I'm not putting Mox Diamond into my deck. And uh, then I'm going to keep hitting you with them until everybody's dead to stuff. That's all. Is is Jack in the Mox legal in your play group? Oh, I have no idea. I don't have a play group. I'm just putting together <laughs> a stack of cards that I think will, will look cool, basically. Okay. <laughs> I do like Malcolm. That's a good. I I picked up one for the cube. In fact, that's a perfect cube card. Honestly, I love it. Yeah, it's fantastic. I love that card. I also wanted to put more aggressive blue cards in the cube because I love Schooner. Like mm. I, I was real high on Schooner even before Mason just went off the deep end with that card. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Schooner's good. Yeah, so I'm just gonna very quickly go over Pioneer a little bit. And I will very briefly summarize like what did happen with Appraiser Combo and where it was going to go. Uh, Before it's untimely devise. I mean, maybe timely devise. This deck was very good. It, it did like slightly underperform at the Japanese RC. However, I do think that most of the builds of the deck at the Japanese RC were not. They were kind of like Gen 1s of the deck and they were not that good. Uh, we saw much better builds at the Canadian RC and uh, the South American RC. I, I think maybe was like just a little unprepared for it. It was some like older versions of the deck, but some newer versions as well. Uh, high win rate, but really small sample size. But in Canada, the deck did very well. The build that I think makes the most sense is to have either uh, Tanuki or Shefet Monitor in there as kind of permanent ramp in addition to your make a treasure token things which are important to have so you can threaten the turn three early kill you but something like turn two, make a treasure okay my opponent is passing with mana up i want to do something proactive and like be advancing my game state while they are like double stone rained having greater tanuki and then getting up to your six mana you know holding up a removal spell does stop geological appraiser from killing you but it doesn't necessarily stop the dinosaur from killing you because the dinosaur can just hit geological appraiser and kill you through a removal spell. Yeah. Also, a lot of the removal spells that people are holding up, stomp, fatal push, lightning axe, don't kill a 7-6 with 6 CMC. So, you know, a lot of times it's just like, yeah, you you may have stonewalled my geological appraiser combo, but this dinosaur is not beatable. Sorry. Add in stuff like Gear Hulk. Uh, sideboarding in uh, like the lock whale and stuff and just having these additional threats that you can use to punish your opponent for slowing down their game plan necessarily because they don't want to die to your geological appraiser and you end up with just a super super threatening deck and and really powerful plans that i think would have just gotten more and more refined over time and difficult to beat Yep, and for those, because we didn't really discuss this last week because the decks were very new, um, the Quintorius version of this combo did horribly, and <laughs> we consider it to be just fundamentally weaker than the Geological Appraiser version. Yeah. 
kind of DOA, certainly DOA, as long as appraiser exists, may be worth a second look after, you know, geological appraiser has been banned from the format. And yeah, we'll see how deep they go on banning discover cards, right? Like if they go super Mm -hmm. crazy and also ban Carnosaur, maybe you can't play Quintorius at all. Right. Probably not. But we'll see what happens. Yep. The, the whole Quintorius into Spark Doubles thing was just so flimsy and vulnerable and did not have good backup plans that it did not convert very well. And expensive, too. Like, yes. you're not... The, the whole reason the Appraiser combo deck is so good is because you're just threatening to kill them from so early on, even if that rarely happens, like, because of they can hold up any sort of removal, but them holding up that removal destroys them and, and it, it stops the them from doing their game plan i remember mm-hmm. playing against sahili filler guardian in standard for a while my mm. when i was not playing the mirror because I, I did play that deck initially and then i got bored of it like I, i'd won a bunch of games with it and then i'm like all right let's play something else yeah as i often have as it often happens in formats mm-hmm. so i started playing a various versions of dynavolt tower based decks uh, which I really liked because you could hold up an interaction for their Sahili combo for free. You just had to land the Dynamo Tower first, which meant that I was just going to have to be comfortable losing on turn four some of the time, like before yeah. I could do anything, because I'm not going to hold up in mana. I will, I'll just die. That's okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's not okay for a format, but that's how I was approaching the match. And that's right. Your win rate goes, not... it, it's the same as with Splinter Twin, right? Like some, like you have to make them have it for a turn or two as you like, put enough pressure into play that you can actually win the game before turn nine would you will just definitely end up losing then right exactly so those those kind of combos are both non-intuitive to play against because you don't want to let yourself be dead Mm -hmm. but they're also awful for the format because you don't want to be under that pressure all the time it's it's true misery i I also am finding, so this deck is obviously much worse, but it has play patterns that I think are really unpleasant, which is the Amalia Wild Growth Walker deck. Okay, um, talk to me about it. Obviously much weaker than one card combo kill you on four mana uh, and and vulnerable to a lot of the same removal, but it does put you into similar positions where, you know, I was playing some Rakdos the other day and I played against it. And I put a fable into play and my only removal that I had in hand was bone crusher giant. So it was either hold up this bone crusher giant for a million years or put this fable into play. And then my opponent plays on their third turn plays Amalia puts a plus one plus one counter on their Amalia. I no longer have any removal that can kill Amalia because I passed the turn with by after playing fable. I looted into not fatal push and then I just died. Uh, and like, it, it just like creates sort of similar splinter twin esque play patterns. And the build that is, you know, collected company and the, uh, return to the ranks and court of calling it like almost doesn't have enough creatures for collected company, but it's just using collected company to dig for its combo pieces. It's kind of surprisingly resilient and I don't think that it's good in the face of like a Phoenix metagame, I have never lost to it with Phoenix. Uh, it, it 
especially funny that you can rending volley the Amali uh, and you don't even have to take three from the ward because rending volley can't be countered. Mm -hmm. But, you know, against those kind of instant speed decks that don't mind holding up reactive spells for quite a long time and then can put a good clock on you once they they choose to obviously that the plan like doesn't work very well and so decks that were good against the cascade decks are probably also pretty good against a deck like this but decks that were punished by the cascade decks especially creature decks that just like go on board uh do get punished by this it Probably the deck isn't good enough to be problematic, but I do find it similarly unpleasant to play against. It's it's again a like Splinter Twin esque sort of experience. Okay, I don't have any experience playing against it, mm-hmm. but from my perspective, it is a reasonable deck to be like okay to good in the format. Like I just kind of view it as a Grease Fang side grade. Like it's just another sideways deck that plays at a different angle Mm -hmm. and i am okay with that because it doesn't seem to be extremely strong yeah like while being good that's that's probably true like i especially i especially adore a bunch of the cards that you don't that this deck gets to play that just don't see play because of random restrictions like a lot of people are playing um i'm gonna miss on names i should pull up a deck list Dina, Dima, the, yeah. the green black legend for Strixhaven. Mm-hmm. That's like a life gain tribal card. That that card's very cool. A uh, gumdrop poisoner. I know because for for cube reasons, that's a very cool card that these decks are playing. Where the adventure half makes a food, the creature half hits a creature yeah. for the life you've gained the, that turn. The joke like, with that card is if you have like three soul wardens in play, you cast it, gain three life, and then give a creature minus three minus three because you gained three life off of casting it. Yeah, it's very cool. Like a lot of these like very cute cards, I think are endear me to the deck where like you're not really playing the same game as other people, but you're not doing anything like incredibly out of bounds either. Yeah, I don't think you are, but I think there is a point of pow- like there's a certain level of power that if the deck reaches it it will be like deeply unpleasant for the format, I guess. Like it, it, it coasts on being k- kind of bad, and that makes it fine. Once it hits like pretty good, then I'm like not into it anymore. I guess. How how does this compare and contrast with like playing against Lotus Field, a deck that's been in the format for years? Right. That's also a deck that feels fair to me, but also good. But, you know, some decks, like, have an incredibly hard time beating it because it's not really mm-hmm. doing anything that you can interact with very easily. Like, how, how is that different? How is this deck different than something like Lotus Field? I think it's the, the a similar problem to Cascade, which is that the possible speed is, like, it can kill you on turn three. And it's not actually that hard for it to, like, if it just has the right cards. And it's only three of the right cards. It's they pat they they play Amalia on turn two and pass. Even then, if you don't kill it, maybe you're dead. And if you do kill it, then you know it's in their graveyard for return to the ranks. And maybe they can just get it. You know, return to the ranks, bringing back Amalia, Wild Growth Walker, and a Soul Warden. Like 
then that's that combos off and actually not a lot of stuff kills a 2020 amalia after they do that like i I, i'm i'm very far from saying like this deck is a problem but a lot of the games that i've played against it have been like a similar type of unenjoyable as the cascade deck i this is one of the decks i'm actually excited to play with if Mm -hmm. they they end up banning lotus field because i kind of always suspect that they want to get rid of all combo decks sure that's just what history of playing Magic the Gathering has taught me. <laughs> yeah. So I'm always trying to get it back up. <laughs> the the build with, you know, Coco, Return to the Ranks, and uh, Court of Calling, I think is legitimately, like, pretty decent. Uh, yeah. I do think your Phoenix matchup, at least from the Phoenix side, your Phoenix matchup feels unfixable. Uh, like, you just, if they, ha- if they ever have a Ledger Shredder, you just kind of can never win because it just, like they they get to hold up removal while killing you um and you you don't ever kill the ledger shredder so so the deck doesn't seem problematic in the format yet so you know i, I don't have like a problem with it existing right now it just like playing against it as rakdos was like oh this is actually like like can i play can i cast this blood tithe harvester here or am i dead if i do that while we're airing out pioneer grievances, I also kind of have a problem with treasure crew still being legal. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Phoenix is better by an enormous amount with sleight of hand. Yes, it, it's to the extent that I don't believe that it's behind against Rakdos anymore. I think that's like a dead even matchup because having the extra cantrip allows you to have more access to treasure cruises like you just get there more often after getting thought seized and and pressured phoenix doesn't really have like a huge natural predator in the format anymore except for lotus field yeah and that's just like not enough to keep phoenix in check like most people don't want to play lotus field yeah lotus field is hard capped on the number of pilots that can be in any tournament because a lot of people just won't play it. They just will not ever register it. Yeah. Like we were, I know you were talking to Jarvis earlier today. I was in Twitch for a chat for a little while. And Jarvis was saying he should have played Lotus Field at the last two tournaments. At yeah. RCs, but he didn't. And he knew for sure he should have played at the last one. And he didn't. Mm-hmm. Because he just, it, it, there's, there's like this barrier that you put on yourself where you're just, not willing to pull the trigger on these these weird decks yep i have that like i don't want to play lotus it just doesn't really appeal to me it's not it's not really what i want to be doing if lotus field was the undisputed best deck in the format by five percent to Mm -hmm. phoenix's like i don't know right there in second place you would still probably just play phoenix i mean that would be hard because of the heads up exactly you know that that would be a tough call because I I would know that I'm heavily behind in that exact matchup and would probably have to rethink at that point. But I, I get like what you're saying is not like philosophically wrong about like my decision making <laughs> process. I'm not even saying it's. Like, I love playing Phoenix. Is the incorrect. Thing. Like that's because this like, is a game and you should try to have fun. <laughs> right, and and that that's that's the thing is like these play patterns with Phoenix are a delight to me. Like figuring out like when to to like triple spell, like how how which turn I should be setting my triple spell up for, like when to leave mana open and stuff like that. Like that's that's all stuff that I like deeply enjoy, and and that's why I play so much Phoenix because I like it a lot, especially with sleight of hand, making the deck actually feel 
like sleight of hand and picklock prankster as well have like unclunked the deck to a, a really significant degree. Yeah, I I was wary with Phoenix being good just the smoothening out of mm-hmm. Phoenix. I referenced when sleight of hand was being repented. Like it's a very hard thing to evaluate. So I didn't really know how it was gonna pan out, but I the level of consistently consistency and extra cantrip ads uh did kind of scare me a little bit and pick clock prankster i didn't even see coming in the phoenix deck because no, it's like half of I. a card yeah and that that has done a lot of good in that deck especially with the ac- like the just incredible ease of access you get to casting your like third treasure cruise in a tr- in a game is almost trivial now <laughs> And I think we may have, and I need to do some more experimenting to figure out if this is the truth, but I think we may have crossed an inflection point with that cantrip density and with like how efficient Picklock Prankster is. We hit a point where I think Otherworldly Gaze might now just work in the deck and be excellent. And you just make up for it because you always get to cast Treasure Cruise whenever you want to. And otherworldly gaze just letting you go forever and ever and ever and just like always triple spell on on command and hit your phoenixes earlier and and more often uh and so if we've hit that point where otherworldly gaze is sustainable and just works in the deck then i think we may have crossed a point where like the deck is now too good um that that was the build that won the canadian rc the canadian rc had four phoenix decks in the top four that's pretty good yeah, it's like, uh, and and I think it did benefit by. I was surprised. I, I not not to call anybody out here or anything like that, but I was listening to uh, Ross and Tannen's podcast today, and Ross was saying that, and, and you know, this was from like almost a week ago or something like that, and Ross was saying that he didn't expect Phoenix to be very good against the Cascade decks, but actually the interaction that Phoenix plays like lines up really well against Geological Appraiser, and yeah, I think it's creature based. Yeah. Yeah, and Carnosaur can be a problem, but sometimes you trade two mana for their Carnosaur, and it's... and also sometimes you do stuff and have a board before Carnosaur is an issue. Mm-hmm. Like that's one of the speedening ups of Phoenix that really helps it. Yeah, yeah, it's just faster than it ever was before. So uh, I I think that it was just a good choice into the Cascade metagame, and Cascade dying out will take away one of the matchups that like you built towards and were happy to see, but the deck just fundamentally is excellent and, and perhaps too good at this point. Uh, unfortunately not mentioned at all on the, the Watsi stream. So no. I remember there was a period of time in pioneer, especially towards the latter half of like 2020, 2021, where we were just wondering when and if treasure cruise slash dig through time would be banned. And I just, kept never <laughs> happening right and so now it feels like it will it can't ever happen right it's like the wasteland of the format the mm-hmm. brainstorm of the format but i don't think it should be off the table yeah i mean dig through time not a relevant card yeah dig, dig through time is not as powerful as treasure cruise like i think mm-hmm. that's always true yeah just because it's double the amount of mana <laughs> yes <laughs> and fewer cards like there's definitely decks where Dig Through Time is better, but like for instance, I've played Dig Through Time in several Pioneer tournaments, and I don't think I've ever played Treasure Cruise. Yeah, they're for as similar looking as they are, they are like pretty fundamentally different spells. 
It is funny that they both were printed in the same. I like. I get that. Like Treasure Cruise was. Oh, this is the limited version of this effect, and Dig Through Time is the like constructed version of this effect. But hilariously, that's not really how Delve works. Yeah, it really isn't. Uh, so going forward in Pioneer, I think Phoenix remains quite good. I think Lotus makes a lot of sense given that Phoenix is the best deck in the format. The ca- caveat on Lotus. So I. <laughs> I don't remember which podcast I was listening to, but they're talking about Amulet as a deck choice. Oh, I think it was Jerry's podcast, actually, mm-hmm. where Dave Shields uh, asked one of his Dave's friends asked him if he should play Amulet. And Dave said, it's not really a question you can ask. Like, is an Amulet more of a lifesteal choice than a deck choice? <laughs> yeah, that's correct. Uh, and that's how I feel about Lotus Field. Like, you, you just gonna have to like if you're playing it you're gonna if you're not you're not gonna <laughs> that's kind of how i feel about it I, I, anyone who it's, has lotus field and is a lotus field player i think can easily justify playing it at the rc as they could easily have justified it playing it at any of the other pioneer of rcs yeah. yeah it's it's one of the decks i think to be aware of it's it's a very difficult to start testing for the rc now because of the the lame duck format mm-hmm. where you just like can't play leagues because your opponents will be playing cards that are almost certainly going to be banned <laughs> yeah uh but you just can't stop it so you kind of have this gauntlet of like what is it lotus field we think or sorry phoenix very good mm-hmm. uh, top of the heap for me then like lotus field i, I think blue white control is up there mostly because of inertia and the addition of get lost i think get lost is tremendous for the deck it's it's huge for the deck yeah like the blue white control i think rose was rising into popularity because of get lost and then the cascade decks came out and blue white's quite good against the cascade decks Mm -hmm. and i think that kind of riding that wave of being a good deck for a while will just prompt people to play it anyway like even if it isn't good into a theoretical format without cascade i think people will still play it anyway and it, and it is good i do think it is good deck yeah i i was playing against jarvis some sets and yeah like get lost was very good of course um it was funny and and, and i think nick's response to one of my tweets about like how miserable how much <laughs> i i like don't really enjoy playing against blue white even though it's just a totally fine deck and i don't have like a terrible win rate against it or anything i'm just like always like can we finish this match? This is just not good. Uh, it, it's because like you play these really long games and until they've like had a Teferi in play for three or four turns, like blue white never really fully locks it up in the way that control decks and other formats are able to pioneer blue white is just like, it, it keeps digging and it keeps trying to set this up and it plays more and more lands, but some of its spells get like more dead over time. Like if you're playing make disappear in your deck, like you have a chance of just drawing two make disappears at some point on turn eight or nine. And those are completely wasted draw steps, uh, post board, you know, whenever Jarvis had a rest in peace and play against me. Yeah. It was really obnoxious. I couldn't cast treasure cruise. I had to like find a way to loot away all of my stuff. I couldn't get back Phoenixes. But he couldn't flashback memory deluge, and that killed like a ton of his inevitability. And so we were just like even on cards for the entire game. 
yeah, a very awkward place to be <laughs> with yeah. your sideboard card kind of hampering you. Yeah. So, uh, really weird sort of control deck. It is powerful, and Get Lost is definitely huge for the archetype. Um, and I, I do expect it to see a pretty reasonable amount of play. I think Rakdos Midrange and Rakdos Sacrifice are both strong contenders going into theoretical post-ban format. Especially uh, because they don't have to deal with mono green anymore, probably. Exactly. Also, I Tarion's Journal uh, is a new card in Lost Chasm's Ixalan that I actually quite like in the Sacrifice deck. Yeah. Uh, this is the one you can only activate as a sorcery, but you can sacrifice food to it to draw a card. Yeah. Uh, it's it's quite powerful for inevitability. And I watched Alan play several sack games. Uh, he went to an RCQ and just like jammed sack mirrors. Or mm. sorry, sack games. And some of them were mirrors, uh, which is funny because there's a lot of times where a player would target an opponent's creature with claim the firstborn with no obvious way to sacrifice a creature. Mm -hmm. But the other player would have a witch's up. So the question is like, do you sacrifice your creatures so they, they can't sacrifice it? Yeah, or, or do they, they just not them? have a way yeah. to sacrifice it? <laughs> yeah. So every time the player who was being targeted by the claim of Firstborn would sacrifice their thing, and then the other player would play a card that could not sacrifice them <laughs> as their like, last card. <laughs> it was just like very cute. But th that's just like a, a little side note I thought was funny. Mm -hmm. I, I think both Sacrifice and Red Black are, are, would be quite good. Decks that I think are not as good or do you have any other things you want to add that you think will be good going forward in the format like um, amalia is, is I, it... i'm interested in, in amalia i think it's got it, it has potential it's got legs oh convoke convoke is the other one i really like. oh sure yeah yeah boris convoke i think is really good mm -hmm. i'm not as high on heroic but my exposure to that is a lot less uh, but i'm all pretty much always impressed by convoke I think Heroic loses a lot of the space. So when I was playing Cascade the other day, I played against Heroic four times in two leagues because it makes a lot of sense into a Cascade metagame. You, put yeah, you on can your... goldfish them really fast. Yep, and Reckless Rage is a one-mana disruption to Appraiser combo, and so you're just like insulated from the only part of their deck that's fast enough to compete with you. And uh, yeah, I, I think it made a lot of sense into that. It's not good against Phoenix, and that that's unfixable. How is the Convoke Phoenix matchup? Because I I just generally like Convoke a lot more than Heroic, as far mm -hmm. as like gold fishy red white decks. I just think you have a lot more general game. Yeah, I mean, I I think that Convoke is better against Phoenix. I think it's a fairly even matchup that is pretty draw dependent, and uh. You know, Convoke does have its fair share of games where it goes to five and then has like a single point of like weakness that sometimes like getting your four four lightning axed and then a ledger shredder holds off your two twos and you're not gonna win that game. Like that happens quite a bit, especially if Phoenix wins the die roll and puts a ledger shredder into play on turn two, the matchup is really, really hard for Convoke. And then post board, Phoenix has sweepers, but obviously Convoke just has its like incredibly powerful draws that that are challenging for any amount of sweepers or or good draws to keep up with. So I, I think it's a fairly even matchup. Uh, any other decks you want to call it as you think being strong going into 
like post ban world that we don't have a lot of time to prepare for? I don't have anything specific in mind. I don't think the the Merfolk deck was surprisingly decent and resilient. I don't expect that to be a lasting thing. But yeah. the like Kumena collected company, the enchantment that makes your the tokens whenever a, a Merfolk becomes tapped, like there's at this point between uh Tishana's Tidebinder, Collected Company, and the Lord having flash, like that so much of the deck can play at instant speed, and they're like the the Cenote Scout is actually a decent additional one drop to the deck. It's like the deck actually starts making sense at some point. I don't know that it's quite there yet. And also the the energy between the the three four vigilance and the enchantment that triggers when their <laughs> Merfolk gets tapped is really funny. So I have some thoughts about Merfolk. I don't know how good the deck is. I have not seen it been played um, mm-hmm. or played with it myself. But I have been liking liking the look of more synergy driven or combo driven Merfolk. Mm-hmm. Where you can play Agatha Soul Cauldron, yeah. In addition to the normal Merfolk stuff, uh, because with uh, Kiora's Follower, which is a Merfolk that untaps a permanent, another target permanent, any two of those with the enchantment would make infinite one ones. Uh, I saw a list with Unctus where you could m- m- loot your entire deck and then play it, um, Thassa's Oracle, which was <laughs> yeah. adorable. That is uh, cute, but you're not sacrificing that much in the way of a normal merfolk game plan because you always have just enchantment kumena stuff Mm. and the thing i liked about soul cauldron is it let your explorer creatures be more kumenas yeah i i have been more pressured by like like i have felt more under the gun and like and i haven't played a ton of matches either way but when I've seen Kiora's followers in decks, a lot of times it has just been like, oh yeah, this this list doesn't quite have the power to just do creatures and kill me with creatures. Yeah. Um, like you have too many two drops that die to stomp, basically. Um, and then uh, the, the versions that are just like, I'm going to try to create power and toughness as efficiently as possible and then have this enchantment Kumena synergy in it. That has felt scarier to me from the other side, but I don't have a ton of reps. I want to marriage the two. Like, I don't love Cure's followers. Like, I think mm-hmm. the infinites are cute, but not realistic. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I really do like the Agatha Soul Cauldron yeah. synergies. Like, especially with Kumena, Vidalian Hex Catcher, and even something like um, Benthic Biomancer. Is that the one mm-hmm. drop? Yeah, the, the, one? the adapt one. Yeah, because yeah. it, it gives all your creatures adapt with the cauldron, and then you can... Whenever counter is placed on a thing with like your explore creatures, you can loot. I guess that doesn't work with. No, that doesn't. Quite it has to go work. on the. It has to go on the biomancer. I'm sorry. Right. I was thinking of uh, deep root elite from standard. Yeah. But yeah, you can. You do get to loot for each plus one plus one counter that gets put on it. That's... Yeah, I don't, I don't know how often I'm going to be doing that, but I, I wanted to try something in the hybrid space because mm-hmm. I don't think the creatures straight up are competitive with other creature decks in the format. Like, if your deck's not weak against Tishana's Tidebender, it's not, like, gonna beat you. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I, I'm probably not gonna put time into it. There is something there. There I have, you know, like, especially, like, playing Rakdos. Like, I thought sees my opponent and see, like, Kumena and 
collected company and they've got the enchantment in play and i'm just like i don't understand how i can ever beat this like nothing that i take off of thoughtsies is going to allow me to win this game at this point yeah that's that's rough so there's there's something to it but probably not something that i'm going to try to like again the power level of phoenix as an anti-creature deck pulls me away from creature decks that aren't doing like really really busted stuff like convokes good draws Um, other than that, is there any decks you would avoid playing specifically? Grease Fang, uh, Humans, Gruel. I think those decks are all pretty bad. I'm going to call out Blue-White Lotus Field as being a blue-white control deck. Yeah. Like, just play the blue-white control deck. (laughs) It's it's really good. (laughs) The blue white lotus field gimmick loses its like best matchup in mono green. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I, I just don't get it. Right, it is just a gimmick. It gives you some amount of like nut draws, but you can just play the removal to fairy deck and and win that way. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's all I've got for Pioneer. Yeah, that's all I got too. What now? What now, CCR? That's it. That's the whole episode. Go home. I'm already home. Oh, uh, I'm. Yeah. When, what are you still doing here? The movie's over. Go home. Oh, doing a bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Usually doing a bit, honestly. Uh, yeah. Th- that's it. I I don't have anything else. I am, you know, a, a little bit out of sorts because I I need to figure out like how to make rc focused content for the next week and also put and and part of that is figuring out how to spend time on it that is productive and helps me prepare for the rc because all of my content is based on like that work that i'm trying to do so kind of weird to not be able to just do that with magic online but i i do think just finding testing partners and playing matchups is going to be the most productive thing to do and so that's that's what i'm gonna try to do if I were really serious, I would take time and try to get Lotus Field sequencing down pat. But I feel like I don't have enough time for that. If I like, if I wanted to play it at the RC, that would need to be like my full focus for the next three weeks. I think it's more important to know how to play against it than it is to play with it. Like yep. exactly, I, I I do think there is value. I always think there's value to playing decks to get some experience with them. Mm-hmm. But, and I'm not trying to say that Lotusville is like too complex or whatever. No. But I think you're not going to learn as much as would be worth the time spent if you just try to play Lotusville to learn while you're playing a different deck. Like, yeah. I, I don't think that's worth your time. Yep. And that that's pretty much what I'm going to do. I know from my side, I was planning on going to the, like, people were setting up a date to go to Atomic and Durham and jam a bunch of pioneer games for testing like that was gonna be my thursday plans mm-hmm. and that just kind of fell through because of the announcement today yeah like what are we gonna do uh mm-hmm. i guess nothing so tbd on that mm-hmm. <laughs> i i am so one one interaction that i am very sad 
about going. So Narset's Reversal slowly became one of the best sideboard cards in the format because it stops appraiser combo because you have to go through oh. an Eldritch Evolution <laughs> at some point. Do you have you... A, a six drop to get out of your deck? So, you know, when I was playing the Torrential Gear Hulk deck, you could Narset's Reversal <laughs> and just put a Torrential Gear Hulk into play. Or you can board in one Crackling Drake so that you have a Crackling Drake to go get. And also, you want to have your Narsus Reversals in anyways because the plan for many of these decks was bring in like three or four Thought Distortions, and that's your best card against Thought Distortion. But, you know, the, this like cute little interaction uh, in the format no longer exists, and that that's a little sad. But uh, for the greater good, I, I will accept that not existing. I will also accept uh, $30 Draineth Magistrates at the Canadian RC boost on existing. <laughs> Card's not even good against the deck. It's horrible. Oh, also, Bedeck Bedazzle was never playable in that deck. It, every every build that had Bedeck Bedazzle in it was incorrect. The fact that you can play your uh, Glass Pool Mimic face down as a land and then you can't cast your removal spell turn two because it costs black-red hybrid, black-red hybrid, and you have tap lands that make only blue mana, not good. Not not the right removal spell for the deck. There's only so many you could play. It's just you're, yeah, no. Yeah. You're better off playing no interaction, right? You're you're better off playing a, an additional ramp spell or something like that than like the deck is just awful. Hey, I can buy that. Don't have to worry about that anymore. Nope. Thankfully, but you know, you know, I'll, I'll get I'll receive my carnosaurs in the mail, you know, this week or next week, and be like, oh, this is this is these are neat. These are for standard. Oh yeah. Well, I'm I'm probably gonna play them in modern for fun, at least once. Sure. I but, I will yeah. be playing them in standard now that I own them. Unfortunately. Yeah, I, I built a whole. I have it next to me. I have this whole red black deck where I bought four Overnet Ashenels to play with. What card you liked? But I was low on the oh, red sure. god. Yeah, yeah. Because I wanted to try it with a Onicult Anvil and Voldaren Epicure because that that gets the juices flowing. It does. Onicult Anvil dealing four damage to your opponent is. That's nice. Yeah, I can, you can do that when it comes into play, too. It's no additional mana. That's real, real cool. I, I, I have no problem with that whatsoever. Coming soon to a standard store championship near me. <laughs> that sounds about the right level for that interaction. Uh, yeah, that's, that's what I built it for. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thanks, everybody, so much for listening. We really, we really, really appreciate your time. Uh, as we said at the beginning of the episode, patreon.com slash MTG grindcast or coming out in the discord. The link is in the show notes that is open to everyone now. Uh, yeah. See you there. Thanks for listening. Yeah, for, for what it's worth, I've been really appreciating people, more people coming into the discord and chatting up and having fun. It's been nice. Yeah. Yeah. I try to respond like as often as I can to stuff. I, I like being part of the discussions and and yeah it's, but they kind of have have been maintaining themselves without us and that's good to see i think we're starting to build a pretty decent little community there yeah thanks a lot have a great week bye <laughs>